I can't tell you what a, a joy it is to come out here and then see these beautiful peaches that uh, you know that you've been working on for 365 days. The rewards we get off this tree now are because of what we did to this tree for the last 14 years. So it absolutely brings you joy because that's growth and development to see things progress. It's very addictive. It just births something inside of you to see something that, look, I, I did that, I grew this. Our joy really comes in from the children. These little girls and boys come in with, with strawberry shirts and strawberry shoes and pants and go out and get their berry and come back in with strawberry juice running down their face. That's really the joy time and the fun time of the whole operation. It's inspiring to other people. It makes you feel successful and valuable, you know, when you can produce something that you can share with somebody else. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. Thank you so much for being here. I also want to say hello to our online and television audience. For those of you who are in the room, would you please give a big hand to our online television audience? As we get started, I want us to do what we do uh, each and every Sunday, and that is pray for another church in the River Region. I remind us each week, we believe that the kingdom is so much bigger than just us in this room, in this place, and in this space. And so this morning, we're going to pray for an Episcopal congregation called Church of the Ascension and their pastor, Reverend Candace Frazier. So let's pray for them as we prepare our hearts to receive God's word today. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you because you are so good. And the evidence of that goodness, it's all over our lives. Wow, wow. And Lord, as we come this morning, first we want to pause and we want to lift up Church of the Ascension. Lord, we pray that you would be with their members. Lord, would you bless them? Would you watch over them? Would you protect them? Lord, we pray that you would be with their pastor and their leaders. Would you inspire their mind as they lead in these difficult days? And Lord, would you help them to continue to build your kingdom? And Lord, now we ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would speak to us. Would you make your word come alive? Help us see Jesus, just Jesus. Through Jesus we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. How do you how do you do it? How do you survive it? How do you withstand the barrage of negativity or joylessness that seems to plague our world and even sometimes the church. How do you do it? How do you withstand the bombardment of continual backlash that people seem to feed off of and dish out with relative ease? How you do it? There's negative ads all around us, negative news, negative words, a whole lot of negative, isn't there? I think there's a way. I think there's a way to combat the schemes of the enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. I really do. I think there's a way to stand tall when others want to drag you down. I think there's a way to keep moving forward when it seems like 
life is against you. I think the key to this is found in the words of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, Nehemiah uttered those famous words, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. We're in a series where we're walking through the fruit of the Spirit, and this week is the topic of joy. And I think what we see in Nehemiah's words is a secret that God has made known over and over again. Sometimes it seems hidden from us, but God is still making this secret known and declaring it to people each and every day. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The kind of joy that Nehemiah is talking about has to do with the position and posture of your heart and mind, no matter what your situation is, no matter what your circumstances are. It's the joy from heaven. It's everlasting, eternal joy. It's a joy that the words and actions of other people, they can't take from you. It's a joy that Satan himself, I think, wants to attack, but he can't touch it. And it's a joy that's only found in one place, just one. Just one. My question to you this morning is, how joy-filled are you? I mean, like, really? How joy-filled are you really? I, I could actually ask that question in another way. I could ask the question, how Holy Spirit-filled are you? But I want to be very specific. How joy-filled are you really? Does your life feel like a series of ups and downs, a constant emotional roller coaster where you find yourself angry in one moment, jealous in another, enraged in one moment, critical in another, all the while finding yourself laughing on and off throughout the day. Have you ever been in that place where you're not really sure how you could experience such polarizing mood swings in such a short amount of time? Or maybe you find yourself living with this constant displeasure with everyone and everything around you. I think there's a better way. We started this whole series by talking about how that we don't have to live that way. We don't have to live that way. There's a way of living that Jesus offers us in the power of the Holy Spirit that is unlike anything that we can find on this planet. And I believe there's a way. I believe that there's a way to have joy, true, authentic, heavenly joy that, that can be consistent and continual in your life. I believe that there is a joy that can change your life. It can change how you live life. It can change your outlook on life. But again, it's only found in one place, just one. Jesus in John 15, which is where we're going to be this morning, is teaching us something very important. He uses this image, this metaphor about uh, God being a gardener and him being a vine and us being branches. Some of you may be familiar with this passage. And here Jesus is teaching us something really important and he's telling us that he wants to see growth, he wants to see fruit in our life, but then he gets very specific with the kind of fruit that he wants to see 
In John 15, verse 11, he says, I have told you this, this parable that he's teaching here, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. Notice it's his joy. And he says, I want my joy in you. And something is going to come as a result of this. He says, I want my joy in you and that your joy may be complete or whole. Jesus says, what I'm teaching you here in John 15, the purpose is that I want to impart my joy into you. And when my joy is in you, your joy is complete. It is whole. Can't find it anywhere else but right here. The kind of growth that Jesus is talking about in John 15, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. The kind of growth that he is talking about here is, as one person put it, it is organic growth through a new inner dynamic and not mechanical compliance through external forces. Would you like for me to say that again? I will. <laughs> the kind of growth that Jesus is talking about here is organic growth through a new inner dynamic. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It is organic growth through a new inner dynamic and not mechanical compliance through or to external Forces, the kind of joy that Jesus is talking about here and the kind of growth in joy that Jesus is talking about here has to do with our relationship with him. What Jesus is wanting us to experience is true, authentic growth in joy because of, as a result of, our relationship with him. Authentic joy is based on that. It is based on who God is to you and who you are to God. Authentic joy is not based on not based on the external circumstances of our surroundings. That is functional joy. And so many times that's what we feed off of, that's what we live off of in life. We live off functional joy, joy that just helps me function through the day. And we think as long as my surroundings are okay, the relationship surroundings, the work surroundings, whatever it may be, as long as my surroundings are okay, then I am joyful, right? And we just want a joy that helps us get through today. The kind of joy that Jesus is talking about here is true, authentic, everlasting, eternal joy that is not a result of what's going on around you, but a result of something that's happening within you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that raises the question, how can I have authentic joy? How can I live in heavenly joy each day? And every day, I'm so glad you asked. John 15, verses 1 and 2. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Oh, yes, there are other vines out there. Sure. There are other vines that you could connect your life to, but Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, watch this, he prunes so that it will be even more Fruitful. The first thing that we have to do if we're going to live with authentic, heavenly joy in our life, the first thing we have to do is we have to embrace the pruning process. Ugh. I don't know about you, but that just does not sound fun. But what Jesus is saying here is that the Father, the Master Gardener, He prunes us so that we could be even more fruitful, again in context here with verse 11, that fruitfulness is more joy. More joy. 
And we need not resist the pruning process of even the things that look good or we think are good in our life so that we can be even more fruitful. And that's the scary question that is, I think, before us. And the question is, are we willing to give up some good things in order to gain great joy? Are we willing to give up some good things? Are we willing to let God prune out some good things, some things we think are good in order to gain great, authentic, heavenly joy? Have you ever seen someone prune a tree or a plant or whatever? To the untrained eye like mine, it looks like a massacre, okay? Whenever people are pruning rose bushes and things like that, I'm sitting there going, why are you cutting off all those good limbs? I wouldn't do that. But a master gardener knows. They know which ones have to be removed so that the plant, the tree, the vine, the whatever it is, the bush, can be even more fruitful. And it's the same thing with God. You see, we believe two lies every day of our life. Number one, we believe that, well, no one knows me better than me. And the second lie that we believe, because we believe that no one knows me better than me, the second lie that we believe is that we believe that no one knows what is good for me better than me. It's like a bush trying to tell the gardener, don't prune there. Luke 12 tells us that God knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of you, that's not hard. I get it. But (laughs) the point, (laughs) just joking, just joking. (laughs) You should see my genetic pool. Anyway, uh, the point is not about hair there. The point is that Jesus is making about the Father is that he knows you even better than you know you. Remember how we started this series, the prayer that I invited you to pray as we go throughout the summer. Lord, show me me. Lord, show me me. He knows you more intimately than you even know you. And so we have to embrace this pruning process where we trust God, the master gardener, to prune out of us things that they may seem good, but they're not going to produce lasting, authentic joy in our life. And Jesus looks at his disciples in verse 3 here, and he says, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. He has has spoken God's word. He spoke it out loud to them. He breathed it out. He inspired it, if you will. And that's what God does. God's word with the Holy Spirit comes into our life, and what they do is they confront us. They point out the idols that are in our life, the things that we hold on to so dearly in life, but there are things that only bring temporal or seasonal joy. And God's word calls out to us for us to ask God to prune us more and more in life. And so Jesus looks at his disciples here in verse 4, and he says, Guys, I need you to remain in me, abide in me. He says, Abide in me, or remain in me, as I also remain in you. This is very important. What Jesus is saying here, he's saying, guys, he's, I, I'm pleading with you to stay with me, remain in me, abide in me, stay connected to me, because I'm never going to break or sever the connection. I'm not going to do it. He said, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm just asking you to not give up on me as we go through this painful pruning process. But it, the end result is joy in your life. So many times we think that we're going through a difficult season in life and we only see the negative, but God is actually doing something beautiful and he's pruning us in some way. Sometimes we are going through a difficult season in life and we think it's actually the enemy attacking us, but it's actually God at work pruning things out of our life, working things together for good. 
And the first thing we have to do is embrace this pruning process. Now you may say, how do I know when I'm embracing this pruning process? It's when you can pray the dangerous kind of prayer where you say, God, whatever is in me that is not of you and does not produce authentic joy, you can have it. Oh, that's a rough one. God, whatever is in me that is not of you, that does not produce authentic joy, heavenly joy, you can have it. The first thing we have to do is embrace the pruning process. The second thing we have to do is we have to admit that we can't grow ourselves. Oh, we like to think that we can. We like to think that we can do this on our own. But we have to come to that place where we honestly admit that I cannot grow me. I need a power beyond me. I need a power that's greater than me. I need the power of the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God himself living in me for me to have this kind of joy. That's why Jesus looked at his disciples at the end of verse 4 and he said, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. He said, just so I'm being clear here, let me spell it out a little more plain. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You cannot do it. So many times what we do in life is we try to manufacture joy. We live our lives trying to manufacture joy. We call it retail therapy. That's a fancy term for shopping. Or we call it work production therapy. As long as I'm doing good at work and I'm producing at work and I'm making more money, then I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Or we call it community therapy. As long as I'm around a certain people a certain amount of time or whatever, I feel good about myself. Or we call it workout therapy. As long as my body is a certain shape and I'm at a certain health goal or whatever, then, then I'm good, I'm good. And we get caught in this cycle of constantly manufacturing joy in our lives. And, and we, we, we all know what happens when we're caught in this cycle. We try to manufacture joy in our life, and then the new wears off, and so we have to manufacture more joy in our life, and then the new wears off, and so we try to manufacture more joy in our life, and the new wears off. Because here's the thing. Manufactured joy always leads to dissatisfaction. Every time. Every time. And we just keep trying to manufacture it over and over in our life. It only brings dissatisfaction and seasonal satisfaction that will be gone tomorrow. You've all heard the quote, we buy stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> We're trying to produce a joy. We're trying to manufacture it in some way. But we need to say what the psalmist said in Psalm 43 verse 4 when he says, I will go to the altar of God. I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. All the joy that I need in life is found at the feet of God, he says. He says, so I'm going there because there is the real source. What Jesus is saying in John 15, he's saying it takes me. I am that source. And so he repeats himself in verses 5 and 6. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. It will happen. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up and are thrown into the fire and burned. Notice that the language Jesus uses here. 
If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Withers. Jesus is saying there's two options here. You remain in me, you stay connected to me, or you wither. You, you either find your ultimate joy in the Lord, or you're going to die trying to manufacture your own joy, and you will wither. Sometimes we call it being burnt out. Sometimes we call it being in a slump. Sometimes we call it a dry season or the blues. We call it a lot of different things. Jesus calls it withering. And right here, what Jesus is saying to us, he's, he's saying, I am Psalm 1 for you. Remember how the book of Psalms starts. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, verse 2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, verse 3. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not, what? Wither. Whatever he does prospers, meaning in every circumstance there's going to be fruit does not wither. You see, the thing here is this. You do not wither overnight. Just like you don't grow into maturity overnight, you also don't wither or die overnight. Have you ever seen a branch cut off a tree? The branch is cut off, and for a while, it's still green. Still flexible. It looks like it's connected. So many times that's us. Still green, still a little flexible. It looks like we're connected. But eventually, green turns to brown and flexibility turns to brittle. No nourishment. Dead. See, what I don't want for you is that one day you wake up and you walk into the bathroom, you look in the mirror, and you stare at yourself and you say, who am I? What happened to me? When did I become this person? What happened back there when I was cut off and maybe didn't even realize it. Oh, I went to church. Oh, I knew all the words to the songs. I had a Bible. It even had my name on it. Not connected. I don't want that for you. That's why point number three is you have to stay connected to Jesus. Sounds simple, but simple and easy are two completely different things. If we're going to have authentic joy, we have to embrace the pruning process. We have to accept that we cannot grow ourselves, and at the end of the day, we have to stay connected to Jesus. Don't cut yourself off from the source of life and joy. Don't settle for seasonal, temporal, functional, manufactured joy that you're just going to have to manufacture more of in your life. Don't do it. Don't do it. You have to stay connected to Him. 
That's why Paul would write in Philippians 4, 4, he says, always be full of joy. Where's the joy? In the Lord. In the Lord. It's the Lord's joy. Always be full of joy. He didn't say joy in general. No, joy in the Lord. You see, when you stay connected to Jesus, the temperament of heaven is imparted to you in the midst of anything and everything you go through in life. And that joy is there, and no one can take it from you, even, even in the most difficult situations. There's an undercurrent of joy that springs up. Isaiah gave an external image to describe what happens to us internally in Isaiah 61, verse 10. He says, I am overwhelmed with joy. Where's the joy? Joy in the Lord, my God. That's where it's at. He says, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. We have to be careful that we do not reduce salvation to I get to go to heaven one day. Salvation is here. Salvation is now. Righteousness is here. Righteousness is now. And the joy that we can have in the Lord is right here, right now. But it's only found in one place. And you have to be connected to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no other way. No other way. So my question, my question is, how joy-filled are you? I mean, really, how joy-filled are you really? No one can answer that but you. Just one place. One place. Father, I thank you for your joy. Right now, it is extended to each and every one of us. Lord, some of us walked into this room this morning with very heavy hearts, with things going on in our family or at work or in relationships. And Father, I pray right now for those who feel so cut off from you. Lord, I pray that you would restore that relationship. Lord, I pray that joy would spring up from within us by the power of your Holy Spirit like never before. Lord, I pray that we would know that we can walk in that kind of joy no matter what comes our way. Lord, some of us feel like we're literally walking through hell right now, through the valley of the shadow of death. But in you there is no fear, only joy. So, Lord, would you give us what we cannot manufacture for ourselves? May you be the source of all our joy as we bow at your feet. Let it be so. Let it be so.